Welcome to a podcast. A good podcast about board games and my wife. A very good podcast in which I persuade her. Also, it's not starting by saying very good. We don't understand it yet. Is, yeah, but it's ironic. Why is it ironic? What's the irony? I think maybe this is a good intro. <laughs> Welcome to Board Games with my wife, with me, Jack, and my wife, Lottie. <laughs> I thought you were going to mess it up. I wasn't going to mess it up. I'm a professional. I'm a seasoned veteran now. Uh, welcome. Um, this is a Birdwood Games podcast. Birdwood Games being our publisher with a board game coming to, hopefully, your homes uh, next year. Next year. Exciting, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, it's exciting. We're getting there now. We are. Can I finish the intro? No, you, you can't. <laughs> I'd like to let you know that you can follow Birdwood Games on social media if you exist in that realm of the internet. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Birdwood Games. You can also sign up to our newsletter. You can find it at birdwoodgames.co.uk forward slash newsletter. Is there any more for any more? You could... Oh, yes, you can pre-order our board game. Well done. We love you with your sales hat on. Uh, you could also pre-order our um, board game by going to dogparkgame.co.uk and you can get yourself a little... Sorry? A little <laughs> Treat yourself. A little bunch of dogs. Um, and a little bunch of, of other things. Other things, I don't know, whatever you want. You sound, oh, you sound like you've gone a bit like crackers over the last few weeks. Uh, it has been a bit crackers because, as our regular listeners will know, Jack and I are fresh off the back of running a Kickstarter for Dog Park, which we are. You say fresh, we are, we are far from fresh. <laughs> we are no longer fresh. We are We've been left out for a few, for a few days in the sun and yeah. it's a bit. But it has gone a bit, um, a bit crackers and a bit bonkers, which kind of segues us into our. Announcement, news, news, discussion point, um, debate. Well, it's not a debate. <laughs> We've debated it and now it's, the debate's over. Um, so we have some news, which is, this is our penultimate episode of Board Games With My Wife. And that feels mad, as mm. we've been doing this for a few years now. We have, and, yeah. It's been amazing. Um, it has been such a fun thing to be doing. But with the huge amount of work that Dog Park is and is going to be, and with our position as designers and publishers now we kind of want to evolve what we're doing and we would love to do something in the future but it's not going to be board games with my wife so this would be as i said our second to last episode Mm -hmm. if you have any thoughts about what you'd like to see from us in the future is it a podcast from our birdwood studio where we talk about design do you want to see us play games on a stream what else might we want to do what would you suggest those are the things i was going to suggest okay. so yeah. but no they, they, yeah we really want to hear from from, from you guys because i think it's really important that what we do evolves with us as as, as we grow as a, as a publisher but also that we can hopefully be entertaining be fun you know those kind of things we want to i know i don't sound entertaining or fun they're right yeah but just like and and, and, you know the 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 evolution of 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 this is 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 coming more content is coming from us don't don't worry people we'll still hear our annoying voices and and our and our weird dog breathing you'll still hear those things uh but we think it's time to evolve it into something something new now and it is we have been thinking about doing this for a while because we have rinsed our board game collection and whilst it's growing and i want to play yeah, yeah i yeah. feel like you might be hearing a few repeats and we'd love to give you some something different so if you have ideas for what you'd like to see from us there's nothing's off the table at this point and you know unless it involves something that doesn't involve heavy dog breathing because <laughs> that's a prerequisite um but anyway so to celebrate our the finale the finale the season finale or the the the, the, the permanent finale yeah the permanent finale um we're going to do a couple of bumper episodes, aren't we? 
Bumper. Bumper fun, bumper times. Do you want to, I feel like I've been talking for most of the intro, so do you want to... So we are going to go through our combined, and we can just talk about how how we got there. But our combined top fifty games of all time—that's a whole lot of games. That's a whole lot of games, and it's uh, yes, it's a combined list, so it's it's collaborative. Uh, <laughs> Why you said that with like gritted teeth? Well, because you know, I think one of the things you know, we've we, we've got different. I think we've I think broadly we've got a very similar taste in things and, and stuff that we play, uh, and broadly we have similar games that we like and don't like. But I think the favourites element yeah. changes slightly based on you know yeah. our our, our individ- individuality. Yeah. So uh, this mega list is going to be split into two episodes. In this episode, we're talking about our games that are in the fifty to twenty-six slot. The bottom twenty-five. The bottom twenty-five. Um, no less brilliant, but it's the bottom. Um, and that's what my friends call me. <laughs> <laughs> And then in our next episode, we'll be talking about... The top 25. The top 25, which is what your friends call you. (laughs) The top 25. Uh, If only it were true. (laughs) So that's what we have coming up. That's what we have coming up. Any more frame on this part of the show? Besides saying thank you for being here. Besides saying thank you, yeah, for being here on, on our journey and... For those of you that are new listeners and old listeners, you know, thank you. We, we appreciate all your interactions and you know the questions we've had, and they've been great. It's been really great, and we're really excited for the next steps and phases. But we're also really excited to look whatever our next, I don't know, whatever you call it, our next output is going to be. We're looking forward to that, and we hope we hope we hope we can do something really cool. Yeah, and like we said, we want to do something that you want to see or watch. So. The inbox is open. If you want to send me a suggestion, you can do so by emailing hello at birdwoodgames.co.uk. And Birdwood, for those that have kindly written in and said, please talk more slowly so I can understand what you're saying, Birdwood is bird, like the bird, as in the flying creature, and wood, like the trees. Birdwood. <laughs> Ta-da! Well <laughs> done. talk about our top 50 games. Uh, why, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Is that all here? Oh, okay, fine. I thought this was like a, a, ta- a tax meeting we were going to have. I'm literally never coming to a tax meeting. <laughs> You're going to ghost me when I'm like, I put a tax meeting in the diary. We'll just be like, I'm out that day. You'd have to be like, I have a trick here. It's a meeting with biscuits and I'd be like, Ooh. Or I have to just call the meeting something else, being like, super fun, happy meeting. <laughs> then you'll be suspicious of it. Too far, I would be more curious to be like, what's this? But you can only use that trick once. Once that's Once bit and twice shy, you'll be like, I don't trust you anymore. Yeah, I'd run away. I'd <laughs> run away. I could lure you with donuts. Oh, you've got... <laughs> so in at number 50 is Deception, colon, murder in Hong Kong. How important is the colon? I think it's really important. Well, so could you not have just done the colon without saying the word colon? No, I, if I were an actor, I'd be one of the actors that reads the stage directions like, pause. <laughs> and what's what they call period? Yeah, well, yes, or full stop if you're in England. Oh, there you go, thank you. Thank you for the grammar lessons. No worries. Anyway, Deception, colon, murder... Oh, so it's how they're deceiving someone's colon. <laughs> Which is a very different game. <laughs> that is a different game. Uh, so yes, this is, I think, the only real social deduction game on our list, but it had to be in there, even at this, um, even in this uh, number 50 slot, because this was a formative game for us, wasn't it? Very formative, very formative. Well, one of the first, I would say, probably within the first 20 games that we owned, I would say that kind of, that kind of time. So it was, it was early in our collection, and it was that kind of, it's, it's so it's so like hard, hard to describe these kinds of games they are I, I think with some social games like this if you have the right gaming group I think you can just play them and play them and play them and play them and play them like um, if any, thank you darling um, like if anyone's like me who replays a song when you love it and you play it until you're sick of it um, 
reception of murder in Hong Kong was kind of like that. And I think that we had a few really fun game groups. We were listening I think a lot. I've had a lot of fun times. It can it can fall flat, not because of the game, because of the group in yeah. terms of like in terms of like. You have to. When I say full flat, I mean you have to go into it knowing you're going to basically be lying to each other through your teeth for yeah. a period of time. You have to have and understandably, game. people are not comfortable with that, and or they're not also good at it as well. So it kind of like if those people are playing, it's a bit like, or oh, you're clearly lying, and that's not fun for people. And then it's a bit like you know, it it becomes it becomes so it, it can be prohibited because it, because the nature of it is so like somebody is a murderer and they're trying to get away with that murder. Someone knows who the murderer is, possibly more people, but someone knows who the murderer is and trying to help the group find that murderer. And it's like, you literally, someone at the group will be just telling the most brazen lies and yeah. framing people and throwing people under the bus. And the more you play with more players, there's other roles that throw into it where, you know, again, similar sort of thing. So I think if this is the kind of game that you like, you'll like this game. Like if, you, if you're listening to this and thinking, I like this, I like games like Werewolf, Mafia, those kinds of games that do this sort of thing, you'll like this without question but again like a, if you like like werewolf butterflies yeah yeah there's never like a friendly a friendly like i, just I want i want to see a cutesy co-op not co-op a cutesy like i just think the nature of it it lends itself because you i think you catfish a lot of people with that they're like oh this is lovely like a party game and it's about like you're butterflies like, no, and fairies it's like you're all screwing each other over <laughs> yeah and, and, and in tears so that's why. So at least with murder, it's like, well, it's all, you've already cut a lot of people out who aren't going to be interested at least in murder. With murder, you've already culled the field. <laughs> um, I was going to say the reason that we chose these fifty games is we're not saying these are the best games that have ever been made, but these are fifty of our very favourite games that we recommend frequently. Or if someone says I'm looking for a social deduction game, or I like Werewolf, what else should I play? And all, the kind of games we'd be talking about, and also formative ones as well, like formative to our gaming experience and, yeah. and kind of like nostalgic as well in terms of how they how they play and those sorts of things. I mean, this game, if you look at our copy, it's pretty battered at this point. Yeah, we can't really play our copy of Deception. I know, where the, I know what the murder card looks the like by the back of the card. quite dogged. This is where, I, I don't really get the thing about sleeving cards, but the card sleeves yes. in this instance, they're like, you fools. Yeah, because when we play, when I played it before the people, not recently, but it was, it was within sort of the last year, I was like, that's the murder card, I know you're the murderer. I'm just going to stay quiet, because I know <laughs> I'm aware that the card looks like oh, on the back of it. like a Hercule Poirot. Yes. Every time, being like, hello. <laughs> I know the answer. <laughs> It's you. <laughs> Psychic you. Okay, so in at number 49 is Rolling Ranch. Rolling Ranch. This is a game that is a... Ro- by, by, by the sounds of the name, it's a roll and write style game. It's a roll and draw, this I one, kind of. Well, you're saying like, you've not played it, but it's like, it's not... This is on our top 50 games. Yeah, no, why is it not going to play it? By the sound of the name. Yeah, because it's rolling. It's got rolling in, so what could it be about, you know? Oh, but, well, it could be, you know, it could be anything. Could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling, what other board game components have you got? Rolling miniatures, <laughs> just launch them down some stairs. No, it's, it's yeah, so it's, it's, it's a roll and, roll and draw. I think probably one of our favourite roll yeah. and draws yeah. uh, from, from our, from our collection. Have, we may have other rolling, rolling based, based games, games, but games yeah, I think one of our favourite roll and draws, I think because of the theme. Yeah, it's pretty. It's much just nice. It's just a nice theme. It's a nice thing to be a farmer. You're not. Ex- you're, not you're not greatly exploiting anything. You're not doing anything too. You know, you can be an organic farmer, doing the right things by the world. And you still have to make food. Whilst we are, we are livestock farming. We're not yeah. like just growing various different grains. Vegetables. Um, but yeah, there's no, no grains. In fact, there's zero grains. <laughs> zero grains. Um, but it is very. It does feel very wholesome. Yeah, the art's um, wholesome as well. Yeah. It is a classic Yui Rosenberg. He did not design this, but where the animals 
like breed. <laughs> yeah, the animals mate. The animals it's mate. Those breeding animals. It's like yeah. get two of them, they'll breed. It's like what are they like? Um, but yeah, this is just a, a really chilled out, sweet Roland right. And if you are looking for one for your collection, you like farmyard themes and sweet dice and lovely box art, then Roland give it, give a blast. Okay, so in at number forty-eight. Speaking of formative. Yeah. Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. And this is going to be a classic in most, in a lot of people's, I think, top X's of, yeah. of, of board games. And this game is played by so many people. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, we, we played this, I, I, we, it's a, Ticket to Ride is a fantastic game. It's just a because, store, because of how accessible it is. It, 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 it takes that idea of a, maybe a more entry or family level game where it's, it's very simple, it's asking you to do, a theme that everyone can relate to in terms of, Trains. It's quite. It's quite. Everyone can relate yeah, to a train. Being a train, you know. But everyone, everyone has an understanding. You're not going for some weird industry that people don't understand. The people have a. I think from like childhood, you have like a like of trains. Trains are a thing. No, that's no, just like, no. You're, that's not universal. That is quite. People, no, people not. like trains though. People, I'm not saying people don't like trains. I'm not saying all um, children and then into adulthood. Yeah, like everybody trains. likes trains, but the, but I think it's it's a it's a universal thing, and it's so simple. The gameplay. It's got great little components in it in terms of the plastic trains filling the board and going across from route to route but problem solving and those sorts of things um whilst it is it's definitely an entry-level game and it's a game that is you know you can play whether you play if you've never played a game before you could pick this up very easily the other thing i do think it has like a crystal clarity of design where there are like two things you do in this game and it can last for over an hour yeah like what other games are there that can do that? It's, it yeah. is incredible. Well, well, the two acts are so simple as well. Literally picking up a card yeah. or effectively playing that card. I mean, you can pick up tickets as well, but it's a separate, separate thing. But but literally, those are the two things you're going to be doing most rounds. It, pick up a card, incredible. play a card, pick up a card, play a card. And the, and the gameplay is so sustained because obviously, for those who may not have played, you're trying to place routes over a map. And so you're engaged the whole time, for the whole breadth of the game. And that does... That is, you know, I, and I think as and the reason why I think I think it sold over ten million copies or some ridiculous number worldwide. I think it does that train it, money. It, well, it, yeah, that train money. But what I think it does brilliantly is it introduces. I think, I think it will introduce a really wide audience of people into gaming because I think of how sit well how it has yes exactly because of how simple it is, but also how strategic it is. There isn't any luck. There is a minimal amount of luck in this game in terms of yes, okay, the coloured the coloured train cards that come out. You may you may or may not when it gets around to your turn see the colours that you want and that may be good or not for you. So there's a little bit of that in there, but in reality. It's a lot of you're going to be drawing the colours you want, playing things. You you it's a very simple strategy, but you you are you feel like you're in control to a, to a large degree with a few luck elements put in yeah. there that, that that may or may not work for you. Yeah. Which I think that is I think a lot of people are like oh wow that's really cool. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a classic. It definitely had secured its place on our our top games list. And Jack is even angling for the deluxe components. I am, yeah, but you're saw. not you're not convinced, are you? Well, it was because as you may have. Gleaned. I'm not a trained person. I wasn't a trained <laughs> child and then a trained adult. Um, and when we went to UKGE this year, uh, we met someone who were they selling it or getting for pre-order? We were being. I can't remember. Someone, hustling, someone was someone's hustling us the, for it. Yeah. Um, with the Luxie Victor ride, and I was like, "But why? Why? Why would you want that?" And he was like, "They're upgraded trains. What don't you understand about upgraded trains?" And I was like, "Clearly, this is a disconnect between you and I, sir, because that's not doing it for me." No, it wasn't, was it? No, it did it for you, though. Yeah, it did it for me, yeah. Okay, in at number 47 is Stella. Stella? A knackered little card game. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I say fair enough, this is a knackered little card game. Do you want to talk us through Stella? 
Uh, yes, I'll talk you through Stella. So Stella is a surprise, I think, to both of us that this made the list, but it was one of those games that we can come back to and it packs a punch for such a tiny box um, for what it delivers. So in Stella you are not archaeologists, that's wrong. Astronomers. Astronomers, that's the sky. <laughs> um, is it astronomers? Astrologists? Is that the same thing? I don't know. No, I don't think they are. You're a, you are interested in the stars and space. Let's leave it. But you're a space person. Let's not put a label on it. Because <laughs> um, we don't know what that label is. <laughs> no, because we don't know what the label is. And you are um, trying to see different things in, uh, through your telescope. And it's a combination of drafting and pattern matching, but also tableau building. So as you are drafting uh, cards which have moons and planets and uh, systems on into your player area, you're also building up a image of a telescope, which mm. is really cool. So you have this quite vast table presence. Yeah, it's very vast table presence, yeah. Um, and it's just a really sweet, fun, educational game. So each of the cards has a fact about the type of um, body that's on it, which is... I always appreciate it. Yeah, well, as you, uh, as people who may be aware of Dog Park know, this is one of these games that has inspired us in that sense of yeah. being like, that's, you know, a theme that I have a level of interest in space. It lifts it slightly because it's like I can read about whatever the planets are, the stars are, or the yeah. comets or you know, satellites or all the various things in there. I've just got a little bit of something in there that's given me an extra oh, that's interesting, and yeah. give me something extra to engage with on a different level that is completely serves no mechanical purpose in the game. Serves no, yeah. doesn't do anything in the game, doesn't affect the game anyway, yeah. but it allows you to engage with the game on another level. Also, I think there are, in my experience so far, there is a distinct lack of space games that are just about space rather yeah. than like... Conquering space or, or travelling in space or... or travelling space or like... Just looking at space, space, yeah. Yeah, just observing the, um, the, the, the natural... You know the the sky and the stars and the, the naturalness of it all. I need some more sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think. I actually. Can't I can't. Think I can't think of any off the top of my head either. And I feel like I want some more of those. And maybe they exist. Maybe if you if you know them, send them in because we'd be very very interested to check them out because we really liked. I think often we do like the simplicity of exploring something. So yeah. space, you know. Um, we just like to learn, you know. Yeah, we do. Just <laughs> like to learn. Okay, so on a space kind of theme, continuing. In at number 46 is Mission Red Planet. Mission Red Planet. So just as we said, like, we like space when it's all, you know, non-conflict and the rest of it, they were like, we want to kill each other now. <laughs> we're, we're a very mixed bag when it comes to our likely, disliking things. Yeah. We can be like, I really like this, but then we're like, but also this complete, enough to disprove of that example, we also like that too. I think the difference in Mission Red Planet is that, although to be fair, there are probably some combat space things coming up. Um... <laughs> but the next game is a 4X space game. <laughs> No, it never will be. That is your, we've, got, we've got one on there. We've definitely got one on there. What? Oh, it's, it's coming. Maybe it's coming. I just don't know the label sometimes. I'm like, what is that? Um, I, I know. I think the thing with Mission Red Planet, it is fairly light-hearted. Let's not think too much about, about the murder the, About the murder that happens in space. But it's fairly light-hearted. It's, I think because it's got a art style that's quite cartoon like in terms of like it's 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 it's, it's a caricature sort of style art yeah. style it's not serious and i think the, the way it's presented is isn't serious and there's no real it's it, so it's a it's a, again it's another one of these kind of 
it's a part. It's a it's a party. It's a group game. Definitely for a large, large works better with particularly larger groups. Mm-hmm. And you're basically travelling to, to Mars, to land on Mars, and sort of you know, effectively explore it, get the resources from it. But you're launching the key. The key play play of this game is you're launching off in these spaceships, and you've got to fill them with your astronauts. And you kind of had to. You kind of have to like semi collaborate with other people to yeah. fill the fill the spaceships because if you don't fill them, they won't launch. That means so no one's at, so whoever's astronauts are in that ship won't Which go like but also you can blow them up you can redirect them you can cause all sorts of troubles and shenanigans in them and it's got this quite cool card system where you're playing simultaneously um based on the number of cards you play so it's kind of like you count down and the, the cards that have got a lower value more powerful typically but they get played later so you you've got a left you've got um or, or vice versa i can't remember but you've got less information um yeah. on it so it, yeah it, it, it's it's again you need the it's again I would say right group for the game it, I it's, think this depends much less on having the right group but much much less but there is a level of it's got that kind of what I would call um, you are still doing it's got that, yeah skullduggery yeah. I think is the right word for it where you have to be you have to know your group's going to be okay with some skullduggery where you could literally be like I'm really sorry but I'm playing this card which means I'm going to cause one player to just have a complete mare yeah. and it's just like that is can happen you can't play it with someone who's liable to a tantrum yes that's I think with, with many party games yeah, yeah yes you've got to be careful with your tantrum friend you know, isn't that the way with life? Uh, next up at number forty-five is pandemic colon legacy. <laughs> <laughs> I will send the colon through. Uh, the pandemic, the, the the colon pandemic. <laughs> that would be terrible. That would be terrible. That would be terrible. That would be a terrible pandemic. It was not a game I want to play. No. <laughs> it wouldn't be an end of episode, end of podcast. You know, um, game without toilet humor. Humor. I said toilet humor. I didn't even drop the p word. <laughs> But also, it's not just poo in the colon. There's other things in the colon. Such a... I don't know. I'm not a colon doctor. <laughs> but we know there's poop. <laughs> <laughs> we know for sure. Anyway, so it says bring people back round. We might be eating a dinner with this. Also, if you are eating dinner with this, like you, you've got a rogue choice yeah, of entertainment. <laughs> um, but, you but played yourself. Pandemic, pandemic <laughs> colon legacy is a is pandemic. For those who are unfamiliar with pandemic, the, one of the most famous cooperative board games of all time. Um, legacy format, which is Effectively, like uh, the game is basically X numbers of rounds of the same game, but every time things are getting added, taken away, and destroyed. And do you know? I saw someone explain that legacy very well um, yeah. today, which was a legacy game is a game that you physically change over time. So after you play something, you may add a sticker or you may rip yes. something up. So the game evolves as you play it. It's like a box set. It's a bit like a box. It's like it's like, it's like a box. It's like a box. It's, it's an equivalent of entertainment. It's like. Oh cause... no, but it's not because there are games that can be open ended, but you could replay them from the start. A legacy game, you change. But it f- definitively ends. It's like a box set. The DVD player will burn down <laughs> once you finish. As soon as you hit finish on the last episode, the DVD player will just melt, yeah. and that's it. You can never watch that box set again. Yeah. Or you can watch the box set again, but you can't really watch the box set again because it's like your yeah, game is not. literally in ribbons. So it's like, well, this is unplayable. The actual physical game is unplayable. So there is. I have a bit of a. A bit of an issue with legacy games because I feel like there's a bit of a cost, a bit of not even cost, but it's reusability. And I think that yeah. those games are completely worth their money. I think the pandemic legacy and all legacy games we've played have been worth the money of the entertainment we've got. But there is something about it's nice to then pass the game on or give it. Or yeah, or to it sell it or to yeah, charity shop it or whatever it is. Regardless, that is this, and it's a fair comment to make around the reusability and the recyclability of it because you are effectively throwing a lot of it away because you, yeah. cause it's unusable to anybody else. Uh, but I think it does justify it to a degree because of the amount... It's not like it's a five-minute thing. It, it's, I oh, mean, no, it's, you'll get 15, sure. 20 yeah. games of Pandemic out of it, which is, again, given... Uh, entertainment-wise, and obviously even... 
you know, economic wise, it, that was like it took us like two years to finish it. Yeah, but I, I'm not. not you, you're that part. thinking it's more environmental. Like, yeah. 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 Well, kind of environmental, just and just general waste. Yeah. Um, but this one has to go on the list because it's the only legacy game we've ever finished. It's one of the few. It's the few. One of the only example of a campaign game. I call it a campaign game because I bucket in with that group of things because effectively it's got a story and an overarching thing that we've actually seen through to the end. Yeah. But it did literally take us two years. But we got there. It was we did really, get there. I think it, I think the reason we were able to finish this is because we were so familiar with, with the game, the yeah. original pandemic, and because the to be fair, it was quite a dra- we won't do any spoilers, but there was yeah. quite it was quite a dramatic. Yeah, it's quite dramatic. Yeah, it's quite dramatic. Yeah, um, which we actually quite enjoyed, which is funny because we had to kind of like remind ourselves each time what the hell had happened. Yeah, and then you start to make up characters for the people you're playing yeah. as, and they've got all they've got their own dramas going on. Um, but yeah, this was really enjoyable. We enjoyed it so much, like I said, because we were very familiar with the pandemic. If you're not, do familiarise yourself with that game because it is one of the classics. There's loads of versions yeah. now. Um, and if you like the sound of the Legacy game, then do check it out. I think there's another one now as well. There's two that? more. There's, Le- there's Pandemic Legacy Season 2 and Pandemic Legacy Season 0. Do we know if you have to play them in order? No, I, well, I think you have to play one before you play two, but I think you can play zero in any order, I believe. Yes, you would think. That's the first one. Okay, cool. In at number 44 is one that you are a ambassador for. And um, you are an arch, it's your arch nemesis. It is, which is, can anyone guess? It's Ice Cool. Yeah, so Ice Cool is a game that I think is ridiculous and I love it so much. Yeah. It's a game, it's a dexterity game, so it's a, it's a, it's a often a flicking or tossing or throwing or those kinds of actions. Who tosses their penguin? Well, no, not in this dexterity game, but other dexterity oh. games involve tossing. Um, so, you know, so there's the... the, the I don't know off the top of my head. I'm just defending the tossing games. <laughs> um, that may or may not exist. Exactly, but no. It's, it's so in, in this game, like, you're. What's that game where you throw a beanbag into a hole? <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a game called Throw Throw Burrito where you throw burritos at people. That's basically the beanbag in the hole. Game. Exactly, but the hole That's is the other human being. I have no idea. I think you made um, this up. No, I haven't. People play it all the time. I remember. I remember when, like, you were at school and you had to play those sorts of things. Where it was just like you had a bean. You ever bean bags at school? Where you had to like do like yeah. a game, like you do like PE, but, but with bean bags. Yeah, Bean yeah, they were small and they were really brightly coloured. They were like who primary was, colours. Who was manufacturing these? And who was making selling them to children? Just like then you, then you'd have some like terrible game in the sports hall where you have to like throw it down the sports hall, or you'd have like I remember we had our we had our in our, in our in our tiny tiny uh, primary school we had our like in the sports hall. I'm pretty sure we had on the the thing like the, basically a tennis court. You know, like tennis court markings, yeah. but like so court like, but that was the size of our sports hall, like just one size tennis court. And then the, the, I'm pretty sure the game was that we played. This is PE. Was that we stand at one end of the thing, and then we have to throw it into specific parts of the tennis court. So it'd be like, oh, you, that was a teacher ordained game. <laughs> so it'd be like you got to get in the right tram line, and then you have to throw it into the right tram line, and then it'd be like reds versus blues or whatever the, so the colours would be for the for the, for the bean bags, and then there'd be the points. Of the, that was our PE. That was a PE lesson. <laughs> Could you like knock someone's beanbag out? I'm sure if that happened, that'd be allowed. Yeah, you had to, but at the end of, at the end of the tosses, it'd be whoever had the most bean, the team that had the most beanbags in there. That was a teacher ordained taught lesson in my school. Taught lesson. It was like today, kids, we're learning beanbag toss. For all those moments in life where you're thinking, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm, this is going to be really useful to me in later life. To be fair, there are so there are lots of things in school that aren't directly useful, and I'm sure you gained lots of social skills, and you've got this great story from the <laughs> podcast a hundred years later. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And what would I've done without you know? The, so when you see our Birdwood Games beanbag toss, <laughs> you're like, wow, he's drawing on his past. <laughs> like, what 
we talking about? Um, ice school. Okay. Ice school. Continue about the penguins. So speaking of schools, ice school is set in a school, and you're penguins. I think you're being like. I think you're being like. Like you know, like rude dudes. Because I'm pretty sure you're like you're like breaking. You're going out of like you you going out of lessons. You you're doing a runner. You're doing a bunk. You haven't got a hallway pass. Yeah. So. No, I don't think I, I don't think our school's it was our school had a lot of hallways, so it was just like it was like you were in the toilet when you left the classroom, so it was kind of like where are you going? He's weeing in the corner again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was our school. So yeah, so um, it was it was it, it, you are penguins in a school. One person is the hall monitor each round, and they're basically trying to catch you, and it's like a tag thing. So they're flicking around this this kind of like a a multi room course, and you're trying to catch the other players, and you're trying to run yeah. away from that person. It is like silly, silly fun. It is silly fun. The thing that I like about playing it, whenever we play, it makes me laugh to remember how everyone runs around the table together. Yes, yes. Like, someone will flick the penguin, then everyone. Will and how it's got those moments. No matter if you play it with a younger audience or like an older audience, it's like it's it's still got those moments of like pure tension when it's yeah. like things are happening and it's closing down and it's like you're chasing someone and you're in the same room as them and then you've got to, someone's got to try and get out the room and they, they miss the shot and they like they're still in the room and they're the penguin. There's those little things where it's like it sounds so silly and it is ridiculous, but if you're Genuinely, this is one of my top recommendations. If you're, if you, if you're, if you're particularly if your group is like quite um, energetic and quite likes to be, you know, maybe jovial. moving and, jo- yeah. and jovial, this is a lot of fun. You'll have so much fun with this. Yeah. Do you want to do a gear change? Well, how 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 swift? Obviously, oh, a very swift gear change. It's like a, what are those handbrake turns? Yeah, we're going to do one of those. And in at number forty-three, just above high school, is Twilight Struggle. <laughs> yeah. So, in a very similar theme, <laughs> your penguins. Your flicking communists across in the USA. Or capitalists. Um, so, so yeah. So you are Twilight Struggle is a very. It's a very heavy game, uh, and it's a very serious game, I would say. And it's it's effectively a. And there are no penguins. And there are no penguins. It's effectively a war game without a lot of war in it. In terms of there's not a lot of it's, it's more it's it's, a, it's quite a cold war, as some would say. <laughs> Everyone, head palm with me. Head palm. In, but you are f- you are one player is playing as the Soviet Union. One player is playing USSR. as the, the USSR. One player is playing as the Americans, and you USA. are effectively USA. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you are effectively you are duking it out for influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, battling for influence over the over basically the world and what direction the world's going to go in after the cold war what direction is it going to go and is it going to go towards capitalism or is it going to go towards communism that's kind of effectively the overarching theme of it which 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 side of history is it going to fall on in terms of what's going to be the way the world is is viewed yeah. and therefore based on that it's a lot of kind of it's it's influencing it's cha- it's changing areas there is combat kind of abstracted combat in it in terms of there are coups and you know war and those sorts of things but they're not really like there's no real tactics to them you're not yeah. pushing but troops I, around a map or anything the um the real attraction of this game is if you're interested in this period of history is seeing how the designers have gamified historical events so they can be um kind of customized and warped so they can be played in a different sequence to uh, advance your cause whether you're playing as the USSR or whether you're playing as the USA and that is just so interesting to me um, as a game design concept and also I think it's something that we've really enjoyed we've in, we had uh, up until very recently enjoyed playing this at least once a year yeah. which is for Jack and I pretty standard we don't play replay games very often um, and we feel like we really thoroughly explored it and I think after maybe like eight or nine plays we were like we've now 
we'll be, we'll keeping this and we'll yeah. always keep this, but we've now got our fill of it. But it is a really rich, really um, deep board game experience. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. It, it, it is. Yeah, it's. Uh, we probably won't revisit it for many years, but it is. It is a really good board yeah. game experience. Yeah, it's never coming off the shelf. Though. No, it's never come off the shelf. No, exactly. Okay, back on to kind of more ice school ventures again. Uh, in at number forty-two is Takanoko. Yes. Uh, so Takanoko is again much. <laughs> we've had a real uh, odd sandwich. This it's like a, it's like two light pieces of bread and then like a very dense filling. Um, yeah. So it, Takanoko is a game in which you are a gardener and you're trying to be- build a beautiful bamboo garden. And there's a panda going around eating some bamboo, and you're trying to grow bamboo and collect it, but also again organise. I think it's the, is it the king's royal garden? I think it's the royal garden, Emp- emperor's emperor's royal garden. Someone's I believe garden. someone's got a royal garden. And you're trying to basically look after it. Very light in terms of its art style and theming it's got fantastic pieces you're growing bamboo ver- like 3d so, up- so so upwards and it's got these cool little plastic bamboo pieces uh, wooden. wooden even wooden bamboo pieces correct uh and it, that's quite that's pretty cool and it, it, it's got i don't know it's, it's hard to it's hard to describe how it kind of plays it's a very simple action selection game whereby either you're you're just trying to complete one of those three things grow, expanding the garden growing bamboo or getting a panda yeah, to eat so it it's, it's similar to um games possibly like cascadia in that you're trying to do complete objective cards to rack up chunks of points to get the most points at the end so it's really simple in the way that it plays and the things that it's asking you to do you've got five or six action choices so it's more complicated than something like ticket to ride for example but it is very visually stimulating it's very very cute and it's really replayable as well because you every time you play you're building out a different scenario so you're building out a different type of garden uh, you've got bamboo growing differently your pandas up to various shenanigans in a different way each time and so is your gardener but it's really easy to um, grasp and this is another nostalgia game for another us. nostalgia game quite early in our collection we were drawn towards the theme and the art of it and we you know we say it's but it's one we regularly what's nice we regularly revisit it we do regularly play it probably at least once a year yeah. and it's one of those ones but if, we, if we're like oh what do we fancy we're not sure maybe Sunday afternoon and we're just like we'll play, we'll play Takanoko we know yeah. it really well so we can it's, we can get to the table and we can work really it out easy yeah. comfort play yes so in at number 41 is Pret-a-Porter Pret-a-Porter yeah and this is a game I've been wanging on about um all the time. <laughs> All the time. I'm like, should we just talk about Pret Water again? Um, and the reason this is on the list is because it's an example of an industry game that I think has really nailed what it's trying to do. And when I say an industry game, I literally mean a game that's based on a particular industry. This one in Pret Water being the fashion industry. And you take on the role as a fashion house and you are creating pieces for, I think, four shows over the course of the game. Yes. You know, four um, fashion shows. And you make money, uh, you get prestige. There's some element of award. There are awards. There are awards, aren't there, that you get points for? Yeah, I think um, it is, yeah. And you basically have to do the running of, of your fashion house and everything that might entail. And it's just a very elegant take on, I think, what could have been quite... A boring game. And yeah. With all industry games, I think there's that risk of being like, we ultimately are running a business, which yeah. maybe isn't that exciting. But this press porter, I think, does make that very exciting, very stimulating, and it really gamifies a lot of it. Yeah. Happens. I mean, obviously, there's there is that danger with business management. You get into the nuts and bolts of running a business, yeah. finance, supply chain, you know, HR, and it, and that has definitely got interesting elements to it. But it's, yeah, the way it gamifies those is quite cool because the output of what you're doing is quite. 
I think it helps because the output is creative and visual. Yeah. You're making, you're, you're basically trying to get effectively different colours of thread to make certain clothes, to better display those clothes at a fashion show to try and score points. Effectively, Ooh, long and short boring. of it. Uh, long and short of it. So that's kind of what it's doing. So the, it's not like we're it making... It up so much. We're make, yeah, exactly, yeah, yes, exactly. But, it's, but also it's not like we're making spanners and then we're selling spanners uh, to, to, to a trade or screws and we're selling those screws at trade. And I'm not saying that wouldn't be interesting, but because of what you're doing is visually like, you can almost imagine it in your head of, and also you can tell the story of the kind of, what fashion house are we? We're making, you know, lots of cheap, more cheap, affordable clothing. We're making high-end fashion, like sort of things. And you can yeah. kind of almost create those narratives without the game actually doing those narratives for you and that kind of adds a layer to it of it being like you know what certain employees yeah. you've got what certain buildings you've got those kinds of things kind of yeah. play into it i think with business running as well if you get it right you've got loads of interesting decisions to make as well and i think in pressure porter it, it's one of those games where you've got a select a certain amount of actions and you always want to do one or two more than you have the ability to do and i think that's a sign of a good game i completely agree that is absolutely a sign of this kind of game that's a sign of a good game when you leave where you leave it thinking oh, i wish i could have done that or want yeah. to do that as well or, but so you have to choose between the ones you want to do or, or don't and it does seem we've only played it three or four times but it does seem that whilst your route to your end goal is always the same you're trying to make the clothes and sell the clothes there seems to be lots of different routes about how you might get there and how you might score mm-hmm. and, and multiply your score and enhance your score on the way which again is, is exciting for a player because it's like, well, I'm, this time I'm going to do this this thing instead. Or you can try that out. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, so in at number 40 is Orléans. Yeah, this is, a, this is a... Orleans. Orleans, yeah, Orleans. This is a... One we played actually quite recently this year, 2021, I would say. It's a, it's a It's an older game. It's a close older. It's probably it's not even that old. It's probably 10 years old, but you know, an older game. Um, and it's a... You're trying to gain influence, or the most influence in, in, in Orléans, which I assume is a French city, town, somewhere, French, somewhere I in France, region, somewhere in France. Uh, and you're doing it by effectively collecting... I best of one better word like kind of types of people like groups of people so there's like monks there's knights there's like yeah. scholars there's, there's those kinds of kind of characters and you're bag building so you're collecting little, yeah you're collecting little tokens of those ind- individuals and those groups and then you're pulling them out of your bag at the start of each turn and then you're using them to basically what have you got you can then utilize them to do specific actions so some actions might require a monk and a knight to do the action so have mm. you got that in your hand and some actions might require i don't know two builders and a, and, a, and, a, and another any other thing and you've got to try and work out okay yeah. well how can i do all these various different things yeah. what can i do to basically again improve your kind of your your, your, your building stuff your your trading your kind of your gaining influence gaining knowledge there's lots of lot you're doing lots of different things on lots of little tracks almost I but think at the heart of that mechanic though is puzzling yes because you basically put out say five colors and across those five colors you've got seven pieces and you've got to work out what actions do i want and can i make these things that i've pulled out of the bag work, work? yeah yeah and exactly so I, I love that problem solving element of it and i think it's as it's really clever design you've got value adding there and it's just i don't think that we've played a bag builder that works in quite the same way that this does and it feels like a really special thing yeah I, I agree it's probably one of the best bag builders we played yeah because it feels properly important as to what's in the bag yes yes and um, every time everything like for example just thinking about quacks of quedling but as another bag builder but the what comes out the bag because you take it out one at a time yeah it feels less impactful to actually yeah. to the composition of your bag yes um, yes yeah it, it is yeah it's a real it's a very satisfying game to play very satisfying 
Okay, in at number 39 is Dragon Castle. So Dragon Castle is... A tile building game with tiles. Why do you sound like this is a hosh statement? Because I didn't know it was my turn to talk. (laughs) So is that it? Is that that what I'm getting? (laughs) You going to hold up today's newspaper? No. <laughs> okay, so it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's you're basically building a beautiful, um, I think a temples that you're building uh, from tiles. You're kind of drafting a you're tile drafting from a this central temple. Its, this got its place in the top fifty for components alone. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. It the did, tiles it did. in this game are beautiful. Maybe the nicest board game components that I've ever felt. Have for, it? for 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 the, I think for the purpose that they serve and what they do, I I would agree They're, in terms of. You know, it's not an expensive game, no. and it's not like you could have done this with cardboard chits, and it's so they're so nice. They're like heavy plastic. I think they are like mahjong. Is it mahjong tiles? They're like those, but they're like they're like, they're like very they're thick very dominoes, easy, but way yeah. weighty thick dominoes that have got beautiful engraved, engraved plastic engraving, and, and then it's colours. the colours of, of whatever the there's like yeah, red and good. purple and blue and different and different they look things. Superb and when they're stacked. yeah, they look superb when they're stacked, and then you've got this kind of almost like sea of them, and it's just yeah, it's visually fantastic, and it's a great sort of drafting placement game as well. Yeah. And again, another game that um, relies on combo building. So you're trying to get sets of different colours and then you're kind of pushing your luck as to when to convert those sets into points depending on what's going on in the game. Um, It's another game that Jack and I turn to without hesitation if we are either playing with someone who doesn't normally play games or if we want something easy for to play ourselves. It's just another one of those games where it's like, yeah, that is just such a no-brainer to play. Love it. Love it too. Uh, number 38 is Paladins of the Something Kingdom. Of the West Kingdom, I think they are. They're of Some Kingdom. Um, and this is a game series. Paladins is a game that we own. But we've also played Architects, which we enjoyed probably yeah. equally. Um, and this is kind of-ish similar to Olyon in the way that you are... Yeah, it's got a bit of that actually to yeah, it. Yeah, so funny you, enough, yeah. I, when, when you're talking about the knight and the monk, I was yeah. thinking that actually is, is interesting because you are choosing different powers from different types of people in your um, area, civilization, village, yes. wherever you are, the West Kingdom. Um, and Paladins is a really interesting game, I think, because I don't... I, for me, it doesn't feel like a heavy game, but it is undeniably strategic. There's a lot of stuff going on here for... Um, players to get their teeth into. Yeah, what I what I love about Paladins, it's a work placement game, but what I don't think I've ever seen this done anywhere else, which I really love, is that you draft your workers at the start of each round. So you've got a, you you have a paladin who has a specific ability that will give you specific types of workers, like two or one different types of workers. But then you'll draft on top of those a pool of workers. Mm. And that's really interesting because you will, there's never like this race to getting more workers. I'm not sure if you can even get more workers in the game, but it's very much a case of saying, okay, right, you, you're going to choose from a selection of your pool of them, which is very similar to, similar to the bag building in, in, in Orléans, but it's, but it's more of a, okay, actually I've already got a, I've got yeah. it's predefined what I'm going to get, and then you get that selection, and then you've got to do a similar thing, right? It's a puzzle element. I've got yeah. I've got five colours and and seven different workers across those colours. I now need to work out how, yeah. what's best for me and what do I, what am I pursuing? What am I trying to do? And it's yeah, that that again is really it's, it's very it's very, very similar vibes. Yeah. It does different things. It absolutely, does different things. It's got different elements into it, but it does have a very similar vibe in terms of the yeah. that puzzle element that you come to. Yeah, and actually, both of them. I'm just thinking. I haven't, we haven't thought about this before, but they both have commonalities in that they have um, major mechanic 
happenings going on at once across the game. So in Oleons, there's you can go and explore um, Oleon, and whilst you're doing this bad building in Paladins, whilst you're sorting out your workers, there's also a wall to protect, and there's all sorts of other things going on. So major uh, mechanisms working alongside one another, which I think give players plenty to be thinking about as yes. they're going along. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So number thirty-seven is something that surprised me, but. You were right, let's just say it. you were right. It's Sagrada. Yeah, so this is one of those ones where I knew I'd be right, but you wouldn't believe me. For years, you wouldn't believe me. I was trying to convince you forever that this was this was a game you would like. And it is a game you like. Yeah. So do you want to talk about Sagrada? So Sagrada is a... I'm just going to say it, and also I'm sceptical at the end of this bit. It's a really beautiful um, dice-drafting game where you are uh, trying to build windows in the Sagrada Familia, which is a cathedral in Barcelona, um, and the dice components are beautiful, so they're multicoloured, they look like stained glass, um, and they're a real visual treat uh, to look at and to play with as well, they, they play very nicely. And you are trying to pretty much pattern build, and there are a few cool tricks you can do along the way with different powers uh, that all players have access to, but ultimately again, it's a game where you're trying to puzzle uh, the most efficient way to score the most points, and um, you have a certain amount of... Um, requirements that you can try to fill to score you those points and so that's pretty much it so it's super super simple i think it can probably be played in under 30 minutes so it's a game you can either warm up with or play a couple of times in a row or you can just have a very quick game over lunch or before dinner so it's very versatile and will swat in around your life i was skeptical because the box art for sagrada is some of my favorite ball game art on a box i've seen ever i think it's really beautiful it's really stylistic and distinctive yeah and when i saw pictures of the interior i was like ah, dice dice are not this dice is not this dice is not what this looks like and to be fair it does look different but it is regardless still very beautiful to play on the table it's different um kind of tonally to the box cover but you still have that really gorgeous um multicolored stained glass effect and the game itself is very clever it's very economic with the design and yeah it's a winner yeah i i personally felt when i saw this that i love colored cubes is one of my things i love about eating the dice and the I don't think we've about eating I love I just love, it's one of those things that visually for me I just love it I love seeing all the different colours together I just find that really like engaging I find that really kind of like oh yes this is this is that's something I love so I saw that but that's absolutely my my style yeah. I saw the gameplay looked nice and simple but also with a bit of you know a bit of bite to it in terms of like strategy and stuff that's going on Com- like scoring again it's all about the again doesn't wasn't and it's not hard to play but it's, it's hard to get a good score in and I just thought again it's the kind of game where for us it's that perfect gap filling game where it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be in that slot of like we could play that of an evening or in that kind of time slot which for us is the perfect game yeah also i don't know why these are kind of like aligned in my head but if i were to choose between sagrada and azul i think i'd more often choose sagrada than azul I, I can they're... I can see why because they've got a similar you're f- finishing some old building gubbins to them <laughs> and then also it's a coloured coloured squares drafting of coloured squares to fill gaps in holes but you're then scoring based on your rows and columns so yeah. they've got similarity to them definitely you know what I like about Sagrada though is that the player area is really compact it is very compact um, yeah in Azul for those that have played it you've got the kind of the tiles are kind of spread out but in Sagrada you are building your window in a similar way to Copenhagen you have your set area and then you're just populating it which I find really I don't know I find that wholly satisfying 
Um, in at number 36 is sushi exclamation mark go party or is it sushi go party exclamation mark I don't know I, I, the list I've been sent here hasn't hasn't got any punctuation on it at all oh no you've been sent a list you poor poppy you don't have to get the list yourself I wouldn't start criticizing the punctuation if I were you uh, I'm pretty sure it's sushi exclamation mark go party I think. Well, he's telling you to go party. No, sushi, no, go. sushi go. Sushi exclamation mark party. Yeah, party, surely. Because yeah. it's not telling you to say sushi go party. <laughs> so, woohoo, sashimi. So, so, what happened in sushi go party? <laughs> um, you explain this one because it's a favourite of yours. So, sushi go party is a drafting, a card drafting game where you're basically putting together a, I don't even know what you call it, a, a menu, platter. a menu, a platter, a smorgasbord of sushi. And you're doing so by, at the start of each game, there's a little bit of setup involved for what is a very simple game. You'll choose different dishes to go into the sushi the sushi belt. And you're then passing these hands of cards around in a group. And you're basically taking a card each time from the draft. And you're, the, the different dishes will score you different points in very, in very different ways. So some will be based on collecting sets. Some will be based on collecting different versions. Some will be based on collecting pairs. But if you have another one, you'll lose points. Or someone will be have a specific number, having the most, having the least. You know, um, there's all sorts of various different scoring that goes on there. And it's really interesting. And I think this is a game that works really well at the sort of like three to five number. Because at that number, you're going to get the cards multiple times. You get the cards a couple of times, I think, if not even slightly more. So you're going to pass everything around. So you'll see what's in the hand. You'll see what people are taking. And you can kind of say, okay, I don't want to pass this over there because the person opposite me wants wants one of them. So I'm going to take it or I'm going to, you know, do something different with it. Or I know they're collecting that so I can collect something different. And it's got a little bit of that too, which is kind of like, I think that's quite engaging. I find that quite engaging. And if it's that kind of like, oh, you stole that thing off me. I wanted that. Even though obviously the person wants it themselves. But that kind yeah, of... It's the kind of game where, um, which I think you and I really enjoy, it's not direct player interaction, but it's essential player awareness. Yes. So you, to be like, to, to be your cleverest self, you have to be like, okay, you want the green tea ice cream. So I'm taking some green. Yes, it, yes. That doesn't um, disservice me. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that's really that is a really key point there. It's it's it's, it's interaction versus awareness, and this is definitely awareness because you're not really you're never actually taking cards from hands or giving things to yeah. other players, but you yeah, are kind of really nice you are choosing like, things that are going to have impact on other players. Yeah, I, I like that though because it also protects groups that maybe aren't comfortable with like direct conflict yes. or like something like direct taking like because you know if I take the green tea ice cream I'm an idiot if it doesn't serve me if I'm only doing it to I, and I um, think if you play it just to serve yourself to play best for yourself in the situation you're in I still think you'll do well and be competitive yeah. that's what's nice about it it's not like you have to play it in a yeah. in a more kind of cut and thrust way and to try and what take the people cut and I don't know. I've heard people say it like pirates and stuff. Um, <laughs> like, but if you if you play it in that way, you will. That's the only way to play it. If you just play it saying I want to do what the best is for me and what I'm going yeah. for, you'll still do well. And that I think is a mark of a really good game where the, there's different layers of strategy going on. And actually, someone who is being a bit more conniving and, and sneaky, they may end up you. they may end up not doing that well because they their plans backfire because they end up with a hand of stuff that's not that good for them. Actually, in reality, yeah. So and that, the other thing to mention about sushi, go party. No, sushi go party. Not sushi, go party. Um, is the sushi have really cute faces? They're very cute. The art so, is very cute, and that is very appealing to like people, to humans. Sushi. The humans like this game. The humans like it. Uh, next on the list at number thirty-five is the chameleon. The chameleon. So this is another deduction game, social deduction game to a degree. 
Yes, but not in a dicey way. It was, it's, it's a bit dicey, but it's it's not as dicey. Yeah, no one's murdered. The chameleon. The chameleon is murdered at the end. They barbecue the chameleon at the end. Oh, no! That's what happens. You don't know I'm that. Thinking of the chameleon as the murderer rather than the murderer. Oh, he, so, it, so either the chameleon is barbecued or the chameleon barbecues everybody else. Yes. So it's a pretty brutal ending to the game. So in the chameleon, what happens is, is that you are, there's a combination of dice that are rolled and they will reveal a code word. Every player bar one will have a grid reference that will tell them what that code word is. One player will just have a card that says, you're the chameleon. That's all they'll get. And if and that happens to you, then your butt might your, start sweating. Your butt starts sweating, yeah. And, and then what will happen is you take it in turn, go around the circle to then basically say a single word. A single word is all you can say. And then you say that word and move on to the next person. You can't stop and think about it. It needs to be relatively quick but again a lot of a lot of people will be flexible with these rules but it needs to be relatively quick and then at the end there will be a ch- again I, i've seen this played in different ways sometimes people play it in the way of saying right now everyone just point to who they think the comedian is but also i think the best way to play it is have a little bit of a debate a little bit of a kind of discussion about it but again it's one of those games where it, play it based on the group because it's sometimes yeah. you, you don't want it, 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 it in its best this, this game in its best is where everyone's kind of laughing and trying to find it funny because people have said what you th- you think this sounds really easy so let's say the words are food and someone someone will say something and they will know what the word is and they'll say something so bizarre that it's like what because you're trying to because also the chameleon at any point can say I'm the chameleon the word is you know potato for example if it's a food so if everyone's saying chips mash you know that sort of stuff something potato and then they they win so they can reveal themselves before the end or they can wait to the guests wait to the end so therefore even in the debate you can't be like well i know it's potato so therefore i'm saying that's why i said mash you've still got to be a bit obtuse with your answer and that in that obtuseness allows for the chameleon to basically get away with it because they can be like yeah because you know the reason why i said that is obvious when you think about it so that I think is very funny, and it's that. What's good about this game is the rounds are so quick. It's literally like five minutes. Once you start playing, it, it's five minute rounds. So the the difference between this is something like Deception. Is in Deception, you're the murderer for potentially like half an hour. Like yes, which is, gets a lot. And also, if someone then knows in Deception, then they have to prove. Yeah that you were the murderer and did blah, blah, blah. And it could be quite angsty as well when yeah. it's like, when it's like for example, you've worked it out and you know it's somebody because maybe that person's accusing you and you're like, well, I know I'm innocent. So, so that you twig, it then can get a bit angsty when you're doing that for 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Whereas in this game, no it's it's over. It's over so quickly. You're just all talking about various types of potatoes. Yeah. And, 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 and that, I think is, that I think is the joy of this one, how, how quick and fun it is. And then also how you're able to kind of, you know, like I say, move on, if if the person if someone who's not comfortable being the being being the liar is then the liar then they they moved on from them. But also, what's great about this game is again, it sounds so simple and it's just like well, that's obvious. It's going to be obvious every time because of how obtuse everyone has to try and be because the words are, uh, for example, no obtuse. Do I mean obtuse? No, I mean, I'm going to stick with obtuse. I'm going to say it. Obtuse means like they're being difficult. They're being difficult with what they are. So, they, so for example, it's cities. Cities are cities are good card. There's loads of different cities on the thing, and you can't be like England and then like London's the only British English city on there. It's like well, it's obviously that one. So you've got to be like a clue like Olympics, for example. That could be your clue. Yeah. And it's like then, but then, but then, but then there's there's probably about seven on there that have had the Olympics. So it's like oh okay actually, but then that might show that you know who it is. But then the chameleon can't guess can't guess it because there's like seven on there. So it's that kind of thing where it's like that really cool thing what also i love about this game which is this this, no uh, this one of those things i really like this is this game allows for because it's so quick with the rounds massive swings and misses where like someone's like right i'm just gonna say something and i'm just gonna hope for the best and it's like and it's like if you say olympics for example and the city is i don't know like bristol and it's like what are you on about you just completely like you're just chatting chatting rubbish but then it's if it's right and everyone's like oh oh yeah that's a good clue that is and you're just like yes (laughs) 
No, that is, that is great. The stakes are low and it's just high fun. Yeah. Very good comedian. Uh, number 34 is Kadama. Kadama? The Beautiful Tree Spirits game. So we're going through a bit of a spate of light games on the list at the moment and this is in that trend. This is probably about a 45 minute gameplay. I think even less than that. Yeah, I think half an hour. So just a very gentle, um, very light game where you are tree spirits and you're growing your tree and you are uh, creating a treescape on your uh, play surface, wherever you're playing, and you're placing cards that match in symbols to another card. So your branches are growing and they're linked together by the matching symbols. And the person with the um, uh, kind of most matching symbols at the end, and there's a couple of other um, victory requirements, wins. So it's basically a tableau building game. Yes. Um, it's had a bit of a... Uh, a, a kooky makeover. Um, the art in Kadama is really cute. The concept is really easy to grasp. Um, if you're like me and you like wholesome, natural things, it's a really uplifting game to play because you're matching butterflies with butterflies and then little moons with little moons. And you then build this huge tree. So it's another one where if you like small games that have big table presence, have a big table presence, this is a great game because you're building this sprawling tree, which is quite an exciting thing to see unfurl. Yeah, it's again, it's 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 a game that really benefits that that kind of start small but gets a big tail presence, and it's actually a game where commonly we forget how big the tail presence can get, and we might play it in a small space and be like, oh no, we need to we need to expand now because yeah, it's, it's, it's too big. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 very again beautiful and just a nice a nice art style theme nature magical but not it, it, it's quite unique in its own its art style in terms of like it looks like it looks like kadama like if you look at it that's what kadama looks yeah. like and i think that's works really well it doesn't feel generic or feel like you know no. like like seen it before sort of sort of you can sometimes get with with magic and those sorts of things and yeah it's a really lovely game really simple just ma- a, ma- a matching tableau builder yeah lovely so in at number 33 is role player and this is another dice game, actually. We've got a bit of a theme of, like... Coloured dice. Magic and coloured dice. Uh, and Role Player was one that I think surprised us both in how much we... Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Uh, and so in Role Player, you are rolling dice, as the name hints at, and you're then building your character traits with the dice. So um, you're trying to specifically match numbers that you've been given as a character with the dice that you've rolled. And so it's an extended puzzle, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. That you're trying to score your uh, the best the at. Best and some, of the, some uh, character traits, you have a prescription score, so you need to um, have between 10 and 14, but some would be like uh, 12 plus, so it could be anything over 12. So um, it's... I, w- I was shocked at how um, satisfied I was after playing this game. It was one of those I was like, oh my goodness, that was such a clever concept and I really enjoyed it. And then I felt like, yes, I've got a six or, you know, yeah. being clever with the uh, mechanisms that you can do to flip the dice face. and Yeah. Yeah. I mean, colour cubes, firstly, so that that, yeah, that, that won me over uh, early doors. And then, yes, I agree. It was very satisfying how it, it's, it's puzzly and it's got that kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's that feeling of... Nothing necessarily feels like a bad choice. You can manipulate things and move things. I think that's the problem sometimes with dice. Dice, dice are random, obviously, when they're rolled and drawn and put out. So 
you don't want that feeling of well I rolled a four therefore I am just in trouble because I rolled a four and that's my that's my lot I can't I can't but this has got lots and lots of opportunities to manipulate and move and change and actually you don't necessarily want all sixes that's not necessarily yeah. what you want you sometimes want some low numbers because you've got low things so actually you need a couple of low numbers so it kind of is that kind of balance again of being like it takes into account that dice rolling is random so it, it it does that really well. Yeah, it's not just like, yeah, sixes. It's not like you just need sixes yeah. to win. You know, you need a combination mix of numbers. Sometimes, sometimes you need certain numbers in certain spaces and those kinds of things as well, which is kind of like, that's interesting too. So yeah, it, I, I think I think that is one where I, I, we were surprised by it, but really enjoyed it. Yeah. And another one we were surprised at is number 32, which is Copenhagen, which is pretty Tetris. much... Tetris. Tetris, yeah. It's Tetris. Colourful Tetris. Um, super simple. So you are trying to build your facade on Neheven... I hope I'm saying this right, people of Copenhagen. Um, the very beautiful, colourful strip um, on the water in Copenhagen, and you're drafting Tetris pieces into your um, building facade to try and score the most points. Not have the most beautiful facade, because if that was the rule, I would every time. But that is not the rule. That is not the rule. The rule is efficiency in terms of getting to the point scoring markers, which are on the rows and the columns. Yeah. Copenhagen doesn't reward you for stacking neatly. You're very good at stacking neatly, but that does not often does not do you well in the game. No, that is that is that is the truth. But it's a yeah again a really surprising game. One that we one that is one of those games that we go to in terms of uh, what do we fancy playing? We're not sure. Talking about it. oh let's just play Copenhagen. That is that kind of game for us, and it's got that kind of very simple. You pick up a tile, you play a tile in your in your th- in your in your building i suppose it is you're building that structure it's satisfying it's got, it's got that kind of instant thing of being like you're drafting those cards so you're drafting cards similar ticket to rise style drafting colored cards playing those colored cards to get a tile that you're then going to put into your into your building and that i think is that simple loop it's just like it's very quick very rewarding yeah. but it's got that strategy in it it's got that oh you took that tile i wanted that tile so i have to think about something else I think it works really well. Yeah. And it's got some little powers in there as well, just to add that little bit of spice. It's got some powers that do different like different things with the tiles and those sorts of things. It adds that bit of depth to it in terms of it being it's simple, but it's, it's a, bit, a bit, a little bit deeper. Yeah, completely agree. Number 31 is Runestones, which is yet another surprise. I don't think that if you'd... I don't think that this would be on everyone's top 50, but there is a particular mechanic about Runestones that I think you and I absolutely adore. And that's where, uh, so in Runestones, you are trying to basically score enough victory points to get beyond, I think, 60 and have the most um, runes crafted. It's it's incredibly simple, but the mechanic that I'm talking about is you uh, play actions in the game, you play two cards at once, and you discard the highest scoring, the highest, um, all the cards have numbers on, and you discard the card with the highest number. So... You have to be certain if you're playing that card, you don't mind if it's being removed completely from your hand. It's not discard pile, it's out of the game. And so that, every single round, you have an interesting choice to make. Do I want to discard this card in order to play this one? It's, again, it's just so, such a simple idea. And maybe other, again, maybe other games do it. Our depth knowledge of games is not infinite. But it's just so great. It's a deck builder, but that you're losing stuff all the time, yeah. and not that oh, I'll get it later. Don't worry about it. It's gone, yeah. and that I think is like you have to then play suboptimal combinations of things because you're yeah. thinking I can't lose this card, so I've got to play this higher numbered card to keep it in play. Yeah. 
And that's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. It adds it's such a surprising layer of depth and strategy to it that it's like, oh, wow, I've got to think and about this now. And tension. When you're drafting yeah. cards, you're thinking, actually, that card's slightly better than that card, but that card's got a bigger number on it, so yeah. therefore I'm going to get the big number card because I'm happy to lose that card, use and lose it, and keep something with a, with a, that does something yeah. different. The only thing about this game is that the first time we played it, I played myself into a corner because I wasn't paying attention, and then I had got rid of all the cards... But got you more like, cards. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. I was in a bind. Um, so there is a little thing in this game that you it, it can walk itself into a breakage if the player's not paying attention like I was not. Um, but once you have made that mistake, you don't make it again. No. And it's, and it's, it's, it's really... Um, really fun to play. I really fun to play. Um, really, really, yeah, really simple, really fun, really I, surprising. I, I, I want yeah. to find that game makes me want to play more games using like that, that mechanic. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's a great mechanic. Okay, less light. This uh, is probably the lightest game on the list, I'd say. Um, in at number 30 is Lords of Hellas. The dum, Greek. Dum, 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 um, techno, I don't know I've seen Lord of the Rings, but you know. Techno. Can you do some Greek in there as well? I don't know, I can't speak Greek. <laughs> Thank you for the techno, <laughs> So, um, a Greek techno epic Euro game? Do we call it a Euro? I don't know what these kind of games are called. These well, kind of area yeah. control, is lots it, of characters on a map big, sort of style. Big, so big this, is, this is a game that is, yeah. we're going for like possibly two hours, I would say. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and like Jack says, it's an area control game. But in Laws of Hellas, you also have... Uh, Greek gods in the mix which is really exciting you also have um, mythical creatures cracking off which is also incredibly exciting and you have a really fun map that you're moving around yeah much like another game that doesn't appear in this 25 might appear in uh, the next 25 what it does I think which is really great is it is an area control game but it does not force combat upon its players it does yeah. not say you're going to have to the fight you can fight and you probably will fight in this one this combat's more likely in this one than, than, than others that, that do the similar thing but you can exist in this world hunting down the, 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 the legendary monsters going and worshipping the temples doing the area control you can exist in this world with all those things in, in 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 play, you don't have to necessarily be directly fighting or combat combating each time. I think, like I say, you it is quite highly likely you probably you're not going to get through a game. Don't, don't don't think you're going to get through a game without fighting. You will fight in the game, but it's not like every turn is like, oh god, I've got an our battle here and battle here and battle here. Yeah. It's very little of that. Yeah, you could like I do wander off and do your own thing, and then only have to come back and defend your temple should some ragamuffin be trying to take over yeah I speak from experience there have been ragamuffins in these parts um, yeah but Laws of Hell has made a massive impression on us is something I think the publisher are bringing a new similar-ish game. yes a, a sort of sister or sister what's it called um, spiritual successor uh, and it's the Norse mythology yeah so theme excited to, to see that that would be um, exciting yes I would love to see more techno Greek um, or techno myth games that had less Direct combat. I kind of just want to exist in the world. I think it's probably going to have quite a lot of combat. Well, I'm hoping I'm putting it out there and manifesting that someone else makes Greek mythology. Doesn't have to be techno necessarily, but Greek mythology game that I can go and house music. Immerse myself in. I don't know. I don't know what house music is. Why we're not cool? Not try. Number twenty nine is the Quacks of Quedlinburg. It's a very similar theme. Very similar style of game. 
how how old do you reckon that joke's gonna get? Because we're quite we are quite bouncing. Like we are going from like there to there yeah, quite this, a lot. This is why I thought it was like we have to mention these are not in like the best yeah. games of like there's no real. And even not except them. I think I think there's a level of our favourite games to them. I think like, but there's in a, bands of five. Yeah, like, yeah. In terms of like preference. Yeah, yeah. I think you, I think you probably what you're getting to. I think is higher we go up the list, more often we play it. And the more likely we are to be like, if we're like, will you fancy a game? This will be considered earlier. Whether yeah. it be played earlier, different, will be yeah. considered earlier. Agree. I think is where we're going with it. Agree. We yeah. strongly agree. We'll shake on that. It's a good day to you. Good day to you. Right, that's it. We'll end it there. Don't Goodbye, everybody. Quacks. I'll talk about quacks. And quacks, you're a quack. And you live in Quedlinburg. And you're making potions and lotions to sell to the, the poor the poor peasants. <laughs> is it the peasants? Well, it's anyone that needs it, I suppose. But you're a quack, so you're basically a fraudster. I think that the, the elite would probably buy some... Oh, so we're like we're like one of those like um, vitty 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 neutral companies. that's like we're, we're selling, gurus. yeah, we're selling. We're wellness gurus selling like I don't know, basically just like like seaweed and being like it's super seaweed, elite tea <laughs> worth million pounds. Elite tea. I don't know. I don't know what they. I don't know what What's they sell. Elite tea. I I feel like if if you if you came out with a company called Elite Tea, I bet you that would sell. It's a tea that has like um. It's got. It's, everyone's got nutri nutroscopics. What are they, they call nutroscopics? Nutri 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 goodness those like Nutri-goodness. basically just like the stuff that we is can't like, become quacks of quaddling birds and sell Nutri goodness why not it's our, it's our home brand Nutri goodness is an elite tea <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll have like different colour boxes for the types of stuff that's in it and we'll have like, co- like you know like the core ingredients like turmeric and like matcha and like ginger and there'll be the colour boxes for the elite tea that we're having Great. Do you want to have a little game? So you're going for a late tea? Yeah. So that's basically what you're doing in Quacks of You're making, although to be fair, those things have actually got general benefits. But in Quacks of you're literally actually making potions that probably would kill you, uh, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you drive them. You are potion brewing, and to do so, you are collecting ingredients, and then you're putting them in a bag, and then you're kind of, I'm not sure exactly how this happened. You're basically blindly pulling them out of the bag and throwing them into the box. You don't check them or anything or vet them. You just throw them in and go, oh crap, I'll put that in now. Uh, and then, so it's a push your luck game because there's there's certain types of ingredients you've got in your bag that will make the potion explode if you put enough of them in there. I love playing this game with you because you're a risk taker. And you and are am, not. You're I'm like, I've drafted one thing, I will stop now, thank you. Good night. <laughs> Bedtime. I, I like to make sure that my potion, I, I'm not yet exploded a quarter of it. No, you, you, you did in the last game because no. for the, for, yeah, for the first, because normally I'm behind, if I win it, it's because I'm behind you all the way till right at the end and I'll have a massive round you and you'll be like, landing. what's happening? The last time I was quite far ahead of you, and it was quite funny because you became like slightly deranged because then you started like pushing your luck. You're like, I'm just pulling, just pulling stuff out the bag, just like frantically because you were like, Oh god, he's ahead of me, and what's happening here? What's happened? Um, but this is the fun of the Quacks of Quedlinburg. Can you bring out all different sides of people that you um, know? And you're like, okay, you've gone a bit crackers. Um, but yeah, it is a really fun yeah. push. I don't think I enjoy a push your luck game. As much as well, I think like, because we're even relatively, I you're risk averse, yeah. and then I'm not in a game sense. I'm happy to push my luck a bit. If the push your luck thing is, is isn't balanced right, then if I just win because I'm pushing my luck, it's like oh, you'll ne- you'll never catch up yeah. as a risk averse person. It's, it's like oh okay, exactly, exactly. Whereas in this, it genuinely feels like no, no, you will come unstuck if you keep pushing your luck. You yeah. will eventually just come unstuck, and the damage it does to you it becomes almost they get to a certain point where it's impossible to catch up it, it becomes like you're too far behind so you might have a great last turn and be really really set for it but you'll be so far behind that it's just not going to make a difference and I think that it, it, from the push of that games we played this one does it the best yeah yes also super accessible 
Um, I think because of the rubber banding system, so if you do push your luck, uh, the scoring chart in um, Quaxel Quedlinburg basically gives the losing players boosts, so their cauldrons score them more points off the bat, um, as that means if you are playing with um, maybe younger players who are you know still learning about losing, you don't feel like you're doing really bad. It doesn't beat up the players behind, no. It keeps you in the mix. It understands that you're blowing up your cold and it's bad, you don't want to do that, but at the same time, it's kind of also a mechanic of the game that you're going to have probably happen to you at some point, so it's yeah. like, it doesn't want to punish out. you too much. It doesn't overtly punish you for doing so. Yeah, great game. Uh, so in at number 28 is Draftosaurus. Draft Asaurus. A very new addition to our shelf and already in uh, definitely a game that we like to play. Lo- uh, fantastic. It is kind of like a... It's it's very much the mechanics of something like a Roland Wright style game yeah. in that you, affect, you are... Something's happening. Something's being randomised. You're going to get a something and then you're going to be placing that something or putting that something in a location to try and combo and score points. In this instance, you're drafting from a bag of dinosaurs and you're getting different coloured dinosaur meeples, different types of dinosaurs to put into your dinosaur park. And you can put them in different places and each place does different things depending on the dinosaurs you've got in it, types, amounts, pairs, etc. Those kinds of different scoring mechanisms. And yeah, it's really simple, really quick and really fun. Yeah. Very high colour. The um, game itself feels like really good value. You have these great um, colourful dinosaur meeples. You have a double-sided board. So you've got two different parks you can play um, with that have different conditions on either side. Um, and I think it's a language-independent game. I believe so, yes. There's nothing else on there, is there? It's, it's only pattern matching and colour matching. So um, it can be, you know, you can play it no matter what language you speak. As long as you can teach somebody, you can yeah. play it, yeah. And just like, it's just one of those things where it's like, the components made this game, but it's a very simple, very elegant and clever idea uh, beneath those components that bring that all together. And it's just like, it shows how much mileage you can get out of what is fundamentally bag drafting. Yeah. And that's... A placement, yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's incredibly incredibly cool and elegant. Uh, Similarly, in elegance and simplicity, but not necessarily theme... 27. um, ...is number 27, and that's Onatama. Onatama, yeah. So, want to take us to Onatama? So, I think of Onatama as like a, um, a sister of chess, in that you have two players opposing each other with... Um, figures on a board and they can move in particular ways Um, but unlike chess you have a fluid set of um, movement styles you can do so there are always three cards that are visible um, during any round of Onachama and those three cards are the um, potential movement um, sequences you can take and once you've you've played one of those movement sequences it's past your opponent so it's another game, which I think is going to be a theme in our top 50, of player awareness, not necessarily combat. Yeah. And Onotama, I think, is the ultimate game of player awareness because if I use my dragon movement sequence, for example, I know that that's coming back to you. And if you need the dragon movement sequence to pull off whatever yeah. move you're trying to do, I need to be aware of that. Um, and Onotama, it's a game of, I think we said before, perfect information where... If you have a um, a gaming partner to play with where you are happy to take it slow and think it out and it can just be the most a really satisfying game to play. It feels like I don't know how to play chess, but it feels like 
I feel a bit like Beth from the Queen's Gambit when we play on Charmer. Like, it's, yeah. it's me. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it, it, I think it's I think it's been really interesting study for someone that was so inclined to do on on levels of perfect information or imperfect information within board gaming and what and what that does. And I think that this is an example of it being, you know, it's, not, it's not truly perfect because obviously you don't know what the person's going, you see all the options and outcomes, but you don't necessarily know what the person's going to choose. They've got a one in two choice. So therefore there's an element of, there's an element of imperfect information in, in yeah, the other player. But you know, that you, you in terms of the, of, in like, terms of what the information is about, what the person can do, you have perfect information because they, they can actually, you do have perfect to a degree because actually, in fact, you do have perfect information because you can say, right, okay, they're going to do one of those two things and then yeah. they're going to get that next. So it is in that, in that sense. And I think that there's something really interesting about that that I think could be explored in other games and across gaming in terms of that idea of and I think this is something that ties into exactly what we said about, about types of games that we like is that the more perfect the information becomes the more it's about then players influencing each other and affecting each other rather yeah. than combating each other because everyone can see the information or everyone's aware of the information it's then about actually saying okay right I'm taking this certain thing for 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 for, for rather than I'm, I'm Doing something to affect you, I'm taking away some of the. the, the I'm taking this this over here to to, to, to me, and that will, will affect you. But I'm not doing it to directly affect you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I, I love Untamer. It feels classic. It feels timeless. It's. Um. I don't think I'll ever not want to play Untamer. No, I would agree with that as well. I love it. So last um for today is number twenty six, and that is Feast for Odin. Odin's Feast. <laughs> Odin's Feast. Colon. There will be bread. Um, it's not currently ever bread, but it should be. Um, and in Feast for Odin, it's like a it's a mega game yeah. that plays in quite a simple way. Yes. Um, so you are hosting a feast for Odin and also building Tetris because we do that now in board games for some reason. Um, it's 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 so mega. There's so many different things going on. There's like it's worker placement, tableau building. Yeah, but it's kind of like all of that makes sense. Then and then you're the building Tetris. a Tetris, Tetris, like, I suppose, I think you're laying out your feast for Odin, I think that's the, that's the explanation, but basically you're doing like a Tetris gr- yeah. grid filler. But this is one of the only games where I forgive the weirdness. Um, tertiary Tetris. Normally I'm... Normally you're against Tertiary Tetris. I, normally I'm against Tertiary Tetris. But in Feast for Odin I generally really enjoy it, and uh, it is a game of many moving parts... And many routes to victory, which I love, by the way. I love that there are so many routes to victory in this and you can pursue different um, avenues. That feels really replayable. Um, but the choices you have every round seem very straightforward. I know, it never, despite all the moving parts, despite all the moving parts, it never feels overwhelming. No. It's not a simple game. It's, it's definitely what I would call a more complicated game. And the reason why I say it's actually complicated is because it overwhelms you with information. When you look at it for the first time, you're like, oh my God, what do all these things mean? There's so many different things. But when you actually start to break it down and start to understand it, you're like, oh, actually, it's not that It's not that complicated. You're trading things, you're swapping things, you're gaining things, you're, you're moving things, you're losing things. It's not like, okay, these all, and a lot of them make sense. You're trading, um, you know, wool for, or sheep for, you know, for, for meat or for, or for coats or whatever. And it's like, okay, that makes sense in terms of like, there's, there's not a weird disconnect between that. And I think that, it's, it, 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 that is a real testament to how it plays and the design of it that you actually after a round or so you're like oh, or even a round or so after you get through some of it you're like oh, okay right I now see what I need to try and do and you can build a strategy around lots of different elements and generally it will, it, there isn't a bad one to, have, to be had in there no 
and it, I think it is one of the heavier games in our collection that we now feel familiar with and like whilst there's a lot of information like you say you're met with a lot of information once you've played it once it's very easy then to play again and yes again. exactly and, and, and like i said before it's very replayable so that was it 50 to 26 done done Completed. in no time at all in some time at all <laughs> um what are the uh, games and their surprises to you? We'd like to know if you... Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Well, you never know. You might have thought maybe something might have been lower than it was. Or higher than it was. Or um, you know, not in the list. Yeah, or, you know, who knows we, what's to come? Yeah. Uh, have you got any guesses of what's to come? I could, I feel like we're so easy to I do. think our top 25 is probably very predictable. Yeah. Very I, predictable. I wonder. I think you'll probably guess everyone if you're a regular listener in the top 25. But what order? That's the reason to come back next time. Um, as ever, thank you for listening, and if you've been here since episode one, thank you, and we're sorry. <laughs> um, it's been a real pleasure to make this podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a fantastic experience for us, and it's been great to connect with people, and it's been great to in, interact in this way. And, and uh, you know, certainly the start of Bird Buddha is helped by this podcast and by our by our great listeners. Yeah, so and we appreciate you all and encouraged. Encourage, exactly. Yeah. Um, so come back in a couple of weeks for the second part of this um special and do let us know what you'd like to see from us in the future whilst it won't be board games for my wife it will be something um and until next time uh have a nice day happy gaming and goodbye Inclusion.